Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These Podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. Sums up getting saved. You trust him and obey him. The Bible says this is his commandment that you trust the Lord. Did you know that? The Bible commands us to be saved. Commands men, men and women everywhere to be saved. I love that song. The only thing I wish I, the only thing I would change and I forgot to tell you and I always tell people this after I get started. The only thing I would change is I would say trust and obey for there's no other way but to be joyful in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Because joy comes from the Lord, right? And happiness is based on circumstances. You know, hap means luck. I don't know if you know that or not. But hap means luck, and when things are going our way, we're happy. If we're lucky or things are going our way, and when things are not going our way, we're what? We're unhappy, right? But the Bible says that joy comes from the Lord. We can be happy. We can be joyful no matter what the circumstance, right? No matter what's going on, we can have the joy of the Lord. He says, count it all joy when you do what? Fall into various trials. So even in trials and temptations, things that are tough, we can do that. So today we're kind of going to jump back. We're going to move out of the book of John today. And about once a month we'll do that. But we want to get to the book of 1 John, which we were teaching before. And we talked about the book of 1 John. It's really the whole purpose of the book he writes in 1 John 5, 13. These things have I written, uh, excuse me, and these things have I written that you may know that you have eternal life. That's what John says there in, in, in the book of John, regular John, the gospel John, he says these things. And many other signs Jesus did in the presence of his disciples. But these have been written about that you may believe in his name. And believing you might have what? Life in his name. So the first book he writes that people might trust Christ and be saved. And then the second book he writes that we might know that we have eternal life. And some people might say, well, you can't never know. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says whoever believes has eternal life. It says... Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, shalt be saved. And all many other places it talks about that. I was 
I was trying to remember one uh, that I read, and I'm, I'm going to quote it real quick, but it's in John 5, 24, and it's a really good verse. It says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. Jesus has everlasting life, right? And shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. So if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've passed from death to life, and there's no doubt about that. Your salvation is secure. It's, it's promised because all the songs we sing today, all of those songs, that's what I love about them. It talks about how our salvation is secure. Why? Not because of anything we could do, but because of what Jesus has done, right? That's why our salvation is secure. And folks, you know, a lot of folks don't believe that. A lot of churches don't teach that. But you know what? That's what we need to understand. And that's one of the things I hope we're going to understand a little bit more today. Because John writes this book and he says, we have seen him, we have heard him, we have touched him, we have, you know, uh, been with him, we've done all these things. And our hands have handled the word of life. And he talks about that he was a real person, that Jesus was there. And for three years, these disciples lived with Jesus and, and ate with him and slept in the same place and were with him all day long for three years. And they knew that Jesus was God. When it was all said and done, Peter says, who shall we go to? You have the words of eternal life. Where else will we go? You are the Christ. And so these people, they, every one of them except for John, what John that wrote 1st John and, and the book of John and the book of Revelation and 2nd John and 3rd John, guess what? He's the only one who did not die of, of some kind of martyrdom, being killed for his faith. Everybody else was killed for their faith. John, the story goes that he was bold and old, but he didn't die. And then they uh, exiled him to the island of Patmos where he lived out his life and he wrote the book of Revelation. And so they said, we've seen him, we've heard him. And he talks about a, a, a relationship that happens because of he's a real person. You come to know Christ as your Lord and Savior. And he talks about the fellowship that happens, that fellowship with the Father. And, and we're going to talk more about that today. But there's a fellowship with God because we know him and he knows us and he loves us and we love him. And there's this time where we commune with him through singing and the word of God. And just sometimes in our hearts, we just have this fellowship with God. And then he says, he declares this to us. And, and he says, we declare to you that this word was with us. And then last of all, he talks about the joy that follows because of this relationship with Jesus Christ. And so when we get to verses 5 through 10, and that's... Uh, and then in the chapter 2, we kind of, the last time I was here, you probably don't remember, so I'm trying to catch you back up. But he talked about these people. He says that this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. In other words, God is holy and pure and righteous and, and he is the one who has eternal life. That's what John uh, chapter 1 says, verse 5, in him was life and that life that eternal life was the that light was the eternal life of men and he says here that God is light he is holiness he is purity and there is no error no 
falsehood, no lies. And then he goes on to talk about these people, these we-sayers. And he says, if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth, right? In other words, there are people who say they know God, but their lies just don't show it, right? Because of the way they live, the things they do, the things they say. And remember we talked about light speaks of doing things that are godly. We don't always all live godly, right? But, but it means pursuing godliness, right things, right speech, right actions, those kind of things. And he says, but that's what that word walk means, right? The old saying, can you, you can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk, right? And so a lot of people can talk the talk, but they cannot walk the walk. And if you're not a Christian, you cannot walk the walk. You cannot do the things of God because the Bible says, without me, Jesus said, I am divine and you are the branches of John 15. And without me, you can do what? Nothing, right? Absolutely nothing. And so we cannot live the Christian life without Christ. And he says here that some say that they, they are Christians, that they have fellowship with God and fellowship with other believers, but mainly what he's talking about is fellowship with God here. And he says, but they lie and do not practice the truth. And then he says in verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And some people say, well, you know, I don't sin. And, and then he goes on to say that in verse 10, that uh, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So it gets worse and worse and worse. First, the people say that they, they're in fellowship with God, but they're not because they're living in darkness. They're living evil lives, and they said the truth is not in them. And then he go on to say, well, I don't sin. Maybe I used to, but I don't anymore. You know. And then the third person says, sin? What's sin? I've never done that ever before. You know, and, and the Bible makes this even worse because it says that these people make God a liar. That they, they are calling God a liar basically because the Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. It says over and over and over again that we're all sinners and we come short. That's why that song we just sang softly and tender, tenderly, oh sinner, come home, right? And the Bible says in Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray, each into his own way. And God has laid the sin, the guilt, the iniquity, whatever words you want to use, on, of us on him, right? And so today we get to the good part. We've talked about those other verses, but today we want to talk about um, chapter 1, verse 7, verse 9. And then we want to talk about the first two verses of of chapter 2 verse 1 and 2 so I kind of broke it into the place where the people who say they're believers the people who say they're God's children and see this whole book really is a test of whether we really know God or not this whole book that's why John says I've written these things that you may know that you have eternal life and he gives all these tests the test of fellowship the test of loving your brother the test of purifying your life the test of uh, confessing your sins and all of these tests, obeying God and all of these things are tests 
that prove whether we really know God as our Savior or not. And that's what he wants to get to. So in verse 7 he says, but, after he said the ones that say they have fellowship with God, but they, they lie and they do not practice truth, he says, but if we walk, in other words, if the pattern of our life is we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And now he says here, if we walk in the light, and what does it mean to walk in the light? It means to pursue holiness and righteousness and virtuousness. And like I said, the only way we can do that is what John 15 says, that he is divine and we are the branches and without him we can do what? Nothing, right? Galatians 2.20, Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. And he says, you know, that without him, basically I can't do anything, that God is the one who gives me the ability to do the things that I do. He says over Philippians 4, uh, 13, he says, I can do what? All things through Christ who strengthens me, right? He's not talking about jumping a, a hurdle or winning a game. He's talking about I can go through trouble and trials and be hungry and naked and all kinds of difficult stuff. He says, whatever life throws at me, I can do it because Christ is the one that strengthens me. And that's what he's talking about here. He says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, if we're pursuing holiness and righteousness and we're living for him, we have fellowship with one another. What is that fellowship with one another? It's talking about fellowship with God. That we have fellowship with God. You know, we sing that song, I walk in the garden with him and we, we walk alone in the garden and, and no other is... And all the joy that we share as we tarry there. And, you know, the only thing that's wrong with that song is everybody that's a believer enjoyed that fellowship, right? <laughs> but, but there's times that we have fellowship and joy and a time of spending with God. And, and, and it's a sweet time of fellowship. When we're singing and we're praising the Lord, and I see the looks on some of your faces as you're singing and praising the Lord and, and what God's doing in our lives as we sing these songs and as we hear the word of God and worship him. And he says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And, and he's talking about fellowship with God and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And you could really translate this. I'm, like I said, I'm not even an English expert. I, I, I kind of mimic the whole English language. Uh, uh, maybe I don't know if I'm as bad as D.L. Moody. I don't know if y'all know D.L. Moody. He started the college, uh, the Moody Bible College. And he started all kinds of missions and all kinds of things. And, and uh, D.L. Moody went to England one time. And the guy said, uh, he murders the king's English. You know, who's this guy I think he is? And he says, he said he might murder the king's English and he might not be in your educational realm as far as the way he speaks, but he's met God's man and God uses him. You know, and I, and, and, and I don't know if I, I'll never be a D.L. Moody, but I tell you what, I want to be used of God and even though I don't always use good English, he uses the things that I say because it's his word, right? But you know what, I, uh, my whole point of that was to say 
that I'm not a Greek expert either, but the way you can really translate this is the blood of Jesus Christ keeps on cleansing us from all unrighteousness. In other words, the moment you were saved, the Bible says that Jesus Christ, when he died on that cross, what was the last thing he said right before he died? He said, it is finished. Your sin debt has been paid in full. That's literally what that word means. It's the word to telestire, telestalite. It's a Greek word that means your debt has been paid in full. When you get a receipt back from the store and that receipt says balance zero, that means your debt has been paid, right? Or you pay the bill off and they send you back the balance and it says zero. It means paid in full. And that's what the song Jesus paid it all says, right? It doesn't say Jesus paid 99% or 99.9%, but it says Jesus paid what? It all. And that's what the Bible says over and over and over again, that Jesus paid it all. And because he paid it all, when we walk in fellowship with God, guess what? His blood continually cleanses us. Because you know what? He didn't die for just some of our sins, but he died for all of our sins. He died, you know, think about this. You know, sometimes people say, well, Jesus didn't die for all my sins. I'm like, well, you know what? He died before you were ever born. Had you ever committed any sins? No, because you weren't even born yet. But he paid for all of our sins, past, present, and future. And he pays for all of our sins. And that's why Jesus could say on that cross, it is finished. Your sin debt has been paid in full. And so the blood of Jesus Christ keeps on cleansing us from all unrighteousness. In other words, we're always God's children, right? And let's talk about that a little bit more and then we get to verse 9 and we'll talk a little bit more about this when we get to this section right here. He says if we confess our sins... And, and both of these, all three of these places, it's first of all, it says, if we walk, and then he says, if we confess, and then lastly, he's going to say, if anyone sins. So there's these three if statements. And like I said, I'm not an English major or a Greek major or anything like that, but these are what you call third class conditional ifs which means they are considered to be true in a general sense. And so what he says here is he says, this is pretty well true for everybody, right? And sometimes we sin and we don't confess. Sometimes we don't always walk in the light, right? Sometimes we, we get in the mood or we get in a bad place and we don't act like Christians. But he says here, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And what he's talking about here is he's saying, we're as Christians, we're going to confess our sins. Now, I was listening to one guy preach on this message, and you know what he said? Continual confession characterizes Christians. Continual confession characterizes Christians. If we're really believers in Christ, you know what we do? When we sin, we might take a little while, but we go, God, I'm sorry. I, I hurt you and I shouldn't have done that. And I'm sorry. 
And then a lot of times he convicts us if we did something to get somebody else to go confess to them, right? And tell them I'm sorry. But you know what? These people that say they have no sin or they've not sinned or they say they never ever sinned, they don't think they've done anything wrong, so they don't have anything to be sorry about, right? Why do they need to tell somebody they're sorry? Why do they need to go say, hey, you know, God, I'm sorry, because they don't feel like they did anything wrong. And so that's what he's talking about here. But he says, if we confess our sins, and he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And what he's really talking about here is not a, re, not a salvation confession. Some of these people, some people have taken this verse and say if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And what they're saying is this is a verse that says this is how you get saved. Well, that's only part of it because Romans 10, 9, and 10 says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, then we shall be saved, Right? And so at that point, we're repenting of our sins. We're turning from our sins and we're saying, God, forgive me. God, save me. I believe you're Lord and I want to be saved because of who you are and what you did, right? That's what we're saying. And so he says, this is more of a relationship type deal. Now, I can use this relationship, you know. Uh, I guess I can always say that my dad, he's not alive anymore. But let's just pretend that my dad was here today. And if he was here, you know, he's my father, right? And if he was here and he was alive, no matter what I did to him, that would never just break up the fact that he's still my father, right? I could walk up there and slap him up beside the head, God forbid. But you know what? I'm still his son. He could say, well, you're not my son anymore. But am I? Yeah. And it's the same thing with God. Once you're a child of God, there's nothing you or I can do to separate us. What does that say in Romans 8, 20, 8, 34? Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. He said, neither height nor depth or things above or things below or angels or powers or demons or, or tribulation or distress or anguish or whatever and he names everything and he says nor any other created thing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus so if you're a child of the king you will always be a child of the king now if my dad was alive and I slapped him upside the head and then about 10 minutes later I come over and I say dad how about give me 10 bucks he's going to say forget you you need to apologize first right and that's kind of what he's talking about here it's a family Fellowship. In other words, I can never lose my salvation once I trust Christ, but that relationship is strained because I have sin and there's sin between me and God. Do y'all understand that? Does that make sense to y'all? In other words, I need to say, hey, God, please forgive me. And then the relationship is restored, right? But I'm still his child, just like I'm my dad's child, no matter what happens. I'm still his child. Nothing can ever change that. And that's what the Bible says. Whoever believes has eternal life. Not will have, not might have, not hope so. And that's why I constantly talk about we don't need a hope so salvation, but the Bible talks about a no so salvation. And so he says he is faithful 
and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's really a continual action too, that God is faithful, right? Why is he faithful? Not because of anything we've done, because, but you know what he did? He promised in the Old Testament. He promised that he would forgive their sins. He would remove us as, their sins as far as the east to the west. That he'd remember them no more. That uh, he will create in us a clean, uh, a new heart. Jeremiah 31, 34. He said all of these things, what he would do. And he told Abraham, he says, your seed will be as numerous as the stars. What was he talking about? He was talking about all the believers, right? He said, and, and I will be their father and they will be my child. And God has promised ever since the beginning of the Bible that, you know what? People that belong to him, he's going to be faithful to us. Not because of what we do, but because of who he is and what he's promised. And he's God and he's faithful and he will always do what he says he does, right? And he's also, uh, he says he is faithful and just. And that word just means he's righteous, right? And how can he forgive us our sins? Not because of what we did again, but because what? What he did, what did he do? He died on the cross for your sins, my sins, the sins of the whole world. He's going to talk about that in just a minute here. He says over here uh, in verse 1, My little children, I write these things to you so that you may not sin. But then he says, And if anyone sins, we have an advocate, a, 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 a mediator, a person who stands between us and God, the Father, Jesus the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation. That word means satisfaction for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. In other words, Jesus paid for the sins of the whole world when he died on the cross. God so loved the world that he gave. His only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. In other words, God made it possible for anyone who would believe and receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. We'll talk about that next time I come in John uh, 10 through 12. Whoever believes and receives him can become the children of God, not because of anything we did, but because of what he did. He paid it all. He did it. Our part is to believe, receive, and trust, and obey. And that's what he says here. And so he says, my little children, and this is, John's a, you know, he's, I don't know how old he is, maybe in his 90s at this time, and he writes this thing, and he says, these things I write to you, so that you may not sin. He says, you don't, you know, I don't want you to sin, but but probability is that you're going to sin. But if you do sin, guess what? You've got an advocate, somebody in heaven that speaks on your behalf. Jesus the righteous. See, it's like this. The old devil, you know, it says in, uh, I think it's Revelation chapter 12, it says the devil is the accuser of the brethren day and night. Y'all remember the book of Job, how he was standing before God, and he says, and God says, look at my servant Job, and Job says, hey, he's just a paid lover. The only reason he does what he does is because you've given him all this stuff. But you know what? If I sin or you sin and we're believers, it's like the devil comes before God and says, did you see what Marty did? 
And Jesus stands over there and says, but I paid for that sin. And he says, well, what about when he did this? He says, I paid for that one too. And he says, but what about that? He says, no, pay for that one too. And that's what the Bible says, that Jesus paid all our sins. He is the satisfaction for our sins and not for our sins only, but for the whole world. And that's what the Bible says over and over and over again, all over the place. All we like sheep have gone astray, each into his own way, and God has laid the sin, the guilt, the iniquity of us all on him. It says it pleased God to bruise him. By his stripes we are healed. Because of the things done to Jesus, we can go to heaven. Because when he paid for our sins on that cross, when he was buried, and when he rose again, he proved that he was God and that God was satisfied with his sacrifice. Y'all remember all the Old Testament sacrifices? All those lambs and rams and doves and goats and all those things? Those were all just pictures of what Jesus would do. When we get to John 1.29, John, the same guy that wrote this book, he, he writes, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. See, all those lambs were dying to cover the sin of the people. But when Jesus died, he removed our sin. He took it away because he completely, totally, forever paid for our sin. And our part is to say, oh God, I'm a sinner. Save me. Trust him, believe, and then every day trust him and obey and follow him every day. That's what it's all about, folks, because Jesus paid it all. He didn't leave anything for us to do but to believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's what it says. Whoever calls on his name shall never be put to shame. And so that's our part, is to believe, to trust and obey. So I hope and pray that you've done that. That everybody here knows that they know that they know because it says these things have I written that you may know that you have eternal life. There's no excuse for you to walk out of here and not know that you have eternal life. Because if you've not asked God to forgive you and save you, you're not going to make it. But if you've come to the place somewhere maybe in your heart and your mind that you just realize, oh God, I'm a sinner. And you cried out to God in your heart somehow, some way. Then God has heard you. God will forgive you. God will save you. If that was the cry of your heart. Oh God, I'm a sinner. Save me. Y'all remember the tax collector and the publican? No uh, publican, the Jewish guy. He was the tax collector. I mean, not the tax collector and the publican. The tax collector is the publican. But the, the, the Jew, he was like, Look at me, God. Look who I am. Look what I've done. And the old, old tax collector, he, looked, he wouldn't even look up and he said, Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And it says he went away justified, went away saved, went away forgiven. That's what the Bible says. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. We praise you for who you are. And I know this was a tough message, a longer message. But Lord, I ask that you would just help it to speak to our hearts and to glorify you. Lord, if there happens to be one who's never cried out and asked you to forgive them and save them, I pray today they would do that. They would say, oh, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Save me. And they would do that from the bottom of their heart with all their whole heart. 
because if otherwise it's just words and words don't please you. But if the cry of our heart is we need to be forgiven, need to be saved, Lord, you will hear, you will answer, and you will forgive. And one day we will be with you in heaven and you will help us every day walk the walk and talk the talk. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless y'all. Enjoy being with y'all. Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Please help us reach out to those the world has forgotten. Everyone we minister to is locked up in some way, shape, or form. Those in the nursing home facilities are locked up in bodies that do not work in a wheelchair or in a bed. We minister to children and youth who are locked up because of behavioral problems. Some have told us we want to have a real family because their parents have lost or given up custody of them. Other kids are locked up because they've committed crimes. We also minister to those locked up at the jails and the prisons, to those locked up in addictions, to drugs, alcohol, depression, and suicidal thoughts, to those locked up in a variety of other things that keep them from becoming who Jesus wants them to be. He came to give us abundant life, joy, and set us free, and these people that we minister to are not free. Our desire is to show them whatever their background, no matter what they've done, to see how much God loves them. We seek to help them receive forgiveness and freedom from their sin in Jesus Christ. We minister in the local area of Savannah, Georgia, and surrounding Effingham and Chatham area. We have recently expanded our ministry to the Lexington, Columbia, South Carolina area. We do over 2,000 services every year. We hope and pray that you will support us in some way that so we can continue our mission. Go to hisloveministries.net and click on the Donate Now button or send it via regular mail to Post Office Box 1881, Lexington, South Carolina, 29071. We hope and pray that you will do that. Thank you and God bless you. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. John 8, 32.